Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Morning, everyone. Welcome to 2024, first Sunday of 2024. Um, crazy to think about. So a uh, lot going on. I think it's going to be a wild year, but uh, no fear. Let's uh, step into it with great expectation and hope. If you're with us, uh, have been with us, you know we've been in the book of Ephesians. We come to chapter 2 this morning. Um, we're going to finish this book up. We're just going to slow walk this second drive of uh, what God has for us in there. Uh, just again, encourage you to bring your own Bibles. Bring that paper Bible. If you don't have one, there's a paper one underneath the seat in front of you. Um, we're not into judgment around here. If you have to use your phone or iPad, we'll, we'll allow that, I guess. But uh, just remember, there's a lot of distraction that comes along with that. And uh, if there's anything we need to do today, we need to be undistracted. We need to remove the noise so we can hear right, the, the voice of God. So um, anyway. Chapter 2, the book of Ephesians. Um, Man, let me just pray for us. We're just going to dive right in here this morning. Father, thank you, Lord, for your richness, your wonder, for a new year, God. Um, Lord, only you know what awaits ultimately in this year. Father, I pray as we sang, Lord, we know we cannot be shaken. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have promises that cannot be shaken. Lord, let your church rise up, awaken, O sleeper, right? Arise from the dead, let Christ shine on you. Lord, let us be your people. Hold firmly to your promises, Lord, and your spirit fills us with that fruit, Lord, of joy and love and peace. Um, And Lord, that wells up faith and expectation. You're a good God and you have good things, Lord, ultimately. Lord, and strengthen our faith this year. Give us ears to hear you, God, to have time with you, to hear your voice, Father. And Lord, now I pray that you would move, Lord, and bring the lost home, Father, into your arms. Father, would you release the captives? Would you release those, Lord, who are bound up, blinded, can't see the goodness you have for them, Lord? And Lord, would you equip the saints for the work of the ministry? Awaken your people, Lord, to hunger for your word, to hunger, Lord, to do your will and be your people, be the bride that you're coming for, Lord, with a heart, Lord, that can, as we sang, that longs for your coming. And Lord, that is not just in the future, but even this morning, come, Lord Jesus, speak to us, teach us, expand our hearts, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, I hope that this year with, um, I don't know about y'all, but uh, for myself, I always have this tension of finishing up the last year and trying to think, just relax in the holidays and be with family and everything, but then that tension of everything that needs to get going in the new year. It's just kind of this weird transition, um, preparing for a new year. Um, and all that, that comes with that, especially for the church and just, Lord, what do you have for us as your people? And um, what do you want to see happen? And I just really invite you in um, this morning to think in your 2024, uh, to really t- set some time aside to step into community, step into discipleship, 
take another step into setting aside time in your schedule to be uh, personally alone with God and his word, but also with God's people. Um, Set that deep. Ask God to increase your hunger for him and for the things of God and for the promises of God. And let's lock arms um, this year and um, see what God, God has in that. And my prayer is for Ephesians that God is going to do that. He's going to in this wonderful six-chapter book. I invite you again, what we start in the fall, read this book from chapter 1 through 6. Soak it up. Let it soak into you. Ask God to speak to you. This is kind of Paul's, all of his theology, all of his hope for the church, all kind of crunched together. Um, And this morning we come to chapter 2. It is um, this amazing, probably at least one of the most succinct, incredible pictures of the glory of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and the amazing love that God has for us. And at the same time, for that clarity of the gospel, it also has to be clear about the human condition, about really our state. And uh, I just open up this morning with that, just some questions we're going to look at this morning of, but God. And we get to verse 4 here, we'll read it in just a minute. And these are two of the most amazing words, and uh, I'm going to give us something just to kind of hold on to this morning along these lines of how do I, what does this mean, but God, and how do I apply that in my life? But first of all, let me throw this up. This is Martin Lowe-Jones. It seems to me more and more that all our troubles really come from our failure to realize the truth about ourselves and our position as Christians. Seems to me more and more that all our troubles, all, really comes from our failure to realize the truth about who we are and our position before God. And folks, I think we can all agree that um, when it comes to the human problem, when it comes to our problems, we can all agree that we need a proper diagnosis of the problem before we can actually bring a solution, right? Um, this is one of the things that's kind of sadly fading in even the medical world is great diagnosis, spending plenty of time and effort to what's the real issue going on here rather than just quickly applying a solution, right? And we do that in the spiritual life. We do that in all of our lives. We need a, a proper diagnosis. And what we're about to read here, folks, is about as clear and bold assessment of human condition before Jesus. And it is absolutely critical for us where we're at right now. And I talked last week a little bit about just our culture and the church and where we're heading and everything. It is critical to restore this. Now, it's interesting. We have to raise the question, why would Paul, after the first chapter, he gives all this glorious news about what God has done for us. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He's adopted us. He's blessed us. He has an eternity for us, and he's going to draw us into heaven and earth, all coming together, all this wonderful blessing. And then in chapter 2 is that he kind of steps back And he says this, let me read it for us, verses 1 through 10. And church, you were dead 
in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, lived. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the devil. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, Paul includes himself, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh and carrying out the desires of our body and our mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, underline it, circle it. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk, live in them. The word of God. All right, let's dive in. Um, Because those are some wild words, huh? Especially in the climate that we live in, the culture that we live in. And unfortunately, the church is struggling with the truth of what I just read at the cost of a false gospel, at the cost of a cheap grace, at the cost of a lot, at a cost of a weak evangelism, at a cost of a cheap love that is more human than godly. So here's what I want us to hold on to. There's nothing so wonderful as the gospel. God's glorious grace in the past, present, and future And the confidence we can have to remember, but God. Now, here's what I want you to hold on to as we work through these these verses, okay? Is this idea of Paul, he, he lays out the human condition about as clear as it can be. That's consistent with the rest of scripture that is an offense to a modern, postmodern mind. It's an offense to any human mind. And that's the point. And then he says, but God, this is what God did as the ultimate solution to the ultimate problem in sending a son to solve this problem. And so here's what we need to hold on to. Before we come to know Jesus, and even when we do come to know Jesus, we can easily, right, get caught into reframing, but God, it can be more like, but God, why are you doing this? But God, why am I in this circumstance? But God, why did that happen? But God, if you were a loving God, why would all this evil be happening? And that's my flesh. That's my self questions. And those questions will, if I stay there, 
are going to remove me further from God, further into what we read here, into the course of the world, into the course of our culture, and into the course of my own flesh and my own desires, making my own image of who God is, rather than this shift in my soul. But God, this is what you've done. And do you see that subtle but profound change that we need to constantly be aware of in our life? Is it's either but God according to my feelings, my thoughts, or I have to always reset myself. Faith says, right, no, but God. When things aren't happening the way I think they, when I'm having health issues, when I'm you know, struggling in relationships, when I'm having financial problems, when I'm anxious, worried, depressed, but God, your mercy, your love for me has moved through your son, Jesus. But God, your grace in the past and moving into the presence is present for me to take hold of. And your grace in the future is moving me towards a place, which we'll look at in a minute, where he desires to pour out all of his glory and blessing upon us. But God, you've made me your masterpiece. You're working in me, informing me into what you desire for me, the very best. But God, look what you have done. Now that's faith. And what I can absolutely guarantee you is that that will change the course of your life, your emotions, your thinking, your trajectory of the favor upon your life if you can make that shift. And when it comes to the first time that we meet Jesus and we meet his love, that's the shift that happens. Rather than all the questions, but God, I would believe in you if you did this. I would believe in you if that happened. I would believe in you if that didn't happen to me or whatever. And it's a shift if it's a surrender, but God, I'm at the end of myself. Look what you have done. Look at your mercy, your grace, your love. I receive that freely by grace. I'm saved by grace. It is what he has done. Not what I've done or can do. But God, look at what you've done for me. Now, does that make sense, gang? Let that sink deep in your soul, this shift. I'm in faith when I am saying, but God, according to God's perspective, versus but God, according to my perspective. And if I get hung up with the question, if I get hung up in doubt that our culture says embrace, and many even in church will say embrace, you will stay stuck and faith will not grow. I have to shift the God. I might not have an answer. Matter of fact, you know what? God doesn't give us an answer about a lot of things. Faith says, but God, you are loving. I trust you with my life. And regardless of my circumstance, regardless of my emotions, regardless of what's going on, but God, you have acted and you've made me your workmanship. You're working it out in me. I'm struggling. I need help. Come on, Holy Spirit. I take hold of that grace. Let it empower you to be conformed to the image of Christ and walk in these good works that he prepared for us right ahead of time. He knows best. Faith says, God, you know best. I'm going to wait on you. I'm not going to get caught in this spiral of 
God, why? And don't get me wrong, we all have those. We all have those. We all have, why God? And look at Job and everything. But the sooner I can shift my thinking to focus on what God's perspective is, what he says about me, what he says about my future, what he said about my past, what he's done to cover and deliver me out of what we just read. It was my condition right in this life. The faster. Right? Grace will fill us the faster that, that idea of workmanship, that idea of what God is doing inside my soul, what he's forming me into will start to take hold in our life. So I just ask you this morning as we dive in this a little deeper, is just think about what are those things in your life where you're just, but God, like that fist is even getting clenched, but God, this happened, therefore I'm not gonna do this. Where are those blocks keeping you from walking in the waters of grace? And seeing the Spirit of God come to start to move in a massive way. Here is workmanship. We'll talk about it in just a minute. Why did he do this? Why did he save us? Why did he save you? What's his goal and his desire for that? All right, so let's, uh, let's break this down a little bit. And let me, let me just step back before I do, though, back to this, this one right here. Boy, this is Jones later in his life. He'd been through years of faithful preaching um, that went around the world. And an uh, older man, he was a medical doctor. I mean, he was a smart man. He, he understood a diagnosis. He was a medical doctor. He understood you need a healthy diagnosis before you're going to really have any effective solution to the problem and and when he wheels it all down later's age he just says man it comes down to it's our failure to realize the truth about my condition and it's fatal the word of god says we're dead that's dead in relationship with god cut off in darkness under the power of the course of the world look at these are some pretty strong stuff isn't it under the power of the prince and power of the air in the spiritual realm, the one who rules this world under the, the power of the devil. Now, I just ask you, when was the last time you heard that or read these verses? What you hear preached today mainly is the last part of this. And Paul's real clear. You do not, no one understands the power of God's grace unless you understand the diagnosis, unless we understand the condition. And the magnitude of his grace is why Paul can say, but God in his great love and mercy, look what he's done. Even while we were dead, even while we were in that condition, he loved us, not according to anything we'd done. He stepped down to, the, to our hearts and awakened them with faith. And to those who wrestle with the diagnosis and realize when we look at the world and everything, how are we doing, by the way, as a human beings? to solve our solutions in the world, right? Man, some amazing things have happened. And I think uh, everything I'm reading, we could see some amazing, cool things this year even. Great breakthroughs. But what about the very core of the soul? With all of our advancements, how are we doing as, let's just talk about our nation, the health of the soul. And even in the church, 
we've minimized, we have not held on to the biblical understanding of the truth about my condition. And this is why Paul so wants to remind us, remember church, remember who you were, remember where you were. And this has such radical impact, folks, for our own life, but also how we walk alongside other people. It has a radical impact on evangelism, how we engage people, how we love people. Do you believe this? Let's just get real honest. Do you believe that you and the rest of mankind, this is the word of God, that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. We once followed the course of the world following the devil himself, prince power of the air. The spirits now at the work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in our passions of our flesh, the desires of our body and our intellect, and were by nature children of wrath outside God's blessing, under his judgment. Do you believe that? Because the word can be any clearer, and it's just not here. It's across the whole Bible. But let's just drill this down, right? Make it real personal. Do you believe that's what you were saved out of? Do you believe that's the state you were in before you met Jesus? But let's even get more personal with it. Is that how you see others who don't know Jesus? And why is Paul putting the church back here? Because he realizes, is until I understand my condition is I'm not going to fully understand the magnitude of God's grace in my life. And folks, let's just get even deeper. Is that how you see your children? Is that how you see your family members who don't know Jesus? This is the word of God. This is the truth of God. Or do we believe, no, 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 it'll all work itself out. Everybody has, people are good. Humankind is good. I mean, every bit of education out there is, has an anthropology that says we're good. We can figure it out. That's the condition. And, and if that's the truth, then you know what? All we need to fix our human problem is a little more education, right? Is a little more, we just need more knowledge. We need more technology, and that'll solve our problems. That's the way of the world. The problem is the lie has seeped, sunk into the church, And folks, wouldn't it radically change how we love someone? And let me just tell you something. The scriptures are, I can't love somebody. I can't love you unless I love you according to the truth of God's word. Oh, we can get by with some what we call human love or, you know, just affirming and encouraging and some of these things. But is that what, if I'm not addressing the real issue in my life and in others' lives, if I'm not connecting on that level, is it really love? Is there... (laughs) Is that a proper diagnosis? Withholding the truth of the real condition. And if I really believe that, then shouldn't it just soar in me? And this is Paul's whole thing of, look at the glory of grace. That's where I was. That's where I was. And a pleading to others, let me show you the state. Let me show you the real condition of the world and of the human heart. And and let me show you the best news in all the world. There is a solution. And I found it. Nothing. I'm not any better than you. I didn't. God shined his grace on me. And that's available to you free. It's the most glorious news in the world. But, But here's the deal. You have to respond. 
You have to respond. It just doesn't work itself out. God doesn't grade on the curve. He's holy. And he has shown forth his love in Jesus in this world. He's presented the truth, and it requires a response. So I plead with you. I love you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm not going to let go until you have to wrestle with this. And why would you want to continue battling and striving to, uh, right, to fix your own heart? Why would you want to try to figure life out on our own and, and, uh, and, and figure the future out? When, obviously, if we look at history, that nobody's done that. But God has done it. And it is the most glorious news in all of the world. Now, the problem in the church today, folks, where we're drifting, is that we think we can uphold the grace of God, the glory of God, without telling the truth of the diagnosis of the human condition. Does this make sense? We all go there. And if I go there, it happens in my own life, then what happens is I fall into the, oh, but God, the, the human idea of but God, all the complaining, the questions and everything, rather than surrendering to, but God, look what you've done. And I'm surrendering to what your word says. Does that make sense? And folks, this is of the greatest need of the hour is a restoration of the glory of the gospel. That cannot happen without a restoration among God's people of, wow, the truth of the diagnosis. That's where I was. Grace is cheap, folks. If I do not understand what God freely gave me, he delivered me, delivered you out of darkness into his light by his grace. But God did that. Even while I was far from him, even while I was disobedient, even while I was under these powers and of the world, God did that and invited me in freely. Now, folks, that is shocking good news. And it gets watered down when it is not applied with the proper diagnosis. Everything in your life, folks, is just fighting against that truth of the human condition. Everything. But, 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 wait a minute. And nothing wiles up, raises up, right? Persecution and anger response like that. Nothing. Because it hits at the core of the human, but but the human justification, I have to justify, no, I'm, I'm good. I deserve, how many times do we see that? You know what this says? What do we deserve? The wrath of God. Do you believe that? What I'm telling you, if we don't believe this, we know nothing of the gospel. We know nothing of what God wants to pour out abundantly. But God will stay in this still by human desires, still being led by our bodies, what I desire, what I think, my own intellect, and, 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 and start to kind of get drawn into what the world says and it just all gets watered down. And before long, we have a gospel that's being preached that is simply another great philosophy, another option among many among the world. May it never be. God's glory will not stand. 
And so this is why Paul says, come on, church, remember, do not forget where you were and where this world is at and how God intervened in a phenomenal, gracious way and got a hold of you and radically changed you and delivered you and saved you. And now he's continuing to work things out, right, in our souls and in our minds. And so, um, oops, let me go back one. Not too far. All right. That's the diagnosis. And I just encourage you, that's tough stuff. That's tough stuff. And, and what I know from just the facts out there is that this, is, this should tell us something. You know that the majority of Christians, at least who check the box Christian in America, do not believe this. They just let it slide. Oh, they want the grace. They want the goodness. But they do not really believe this. And you push them into a corner. And in our engagement with people, that's not how they see the world. And we wonder why the gospel, we wonder why there's not these radical salvations taking place like they have in different times and ages. I think we're moving towards it wonderfully, right? That's the harsh reality. And so I plead with you. This, I, I, look, I, I, it, would be, it would be great to just jump forward to verse 6 or verse 4. Um, but this is the diagnosis. This is the truth of God. And if I don't see it for where I was, like Paul puts himself there, but God, look what you've done. I, I stall God's work in my life. I stall the grace and the power, and I radically inhibit my ability to engage others lovingly, truly lovingly, as God would have us engage them, right? Um, and so I plead with you. If this is like wrestling, if you're like, oh, oh, right, just feeling it, right? I encourage you, look, wrestle with it. Come, let's walk, let's sit down. Don't just go off and, and get caught in the, but God, that can't be right, but God. Let's work it out together. Because I can promise you in this room, the, if you're not wrestling with that, <laughs> I'd love to talk to you. Um, we have to work this out. Because this is tough stuff. It flies in the face of everything you're hearing. You've been taught in education, psychology, anthropology, you go down the line. But this is God's truth. And this is the human problem. Is that we're far from God. And there is another one involved in the spiritual realm. And it makes perfectly good sense of human history. It makes perfectly good sense of the human condition like nothing else does. And so let's just sit down and wrestle with it. Don't run from it. Let's wrestle. We invite you into that conversation, into that process to wrestle this out. Let's talk about it. What I, what I hope you wouldn't do is just, is just to wrestle with it and just kind of walk away and, and ignore it. To ignore this truth has dire consequences for the church and for us as individuals. But let's wrestle it out. So let me move on to verse 4. Wow. But God, listen to these words, folks. Being rich in mercy... 
because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trust, even when we were in that state, he made us alive together in Christ. The grace, by grace, you have been saved. And he goes on and he, he just can't help himself to interject that. By grace, you've been saved. And raised us up with him, seated us with him. Look, this language, folks, is amazing. In the heavenly places with Christ. You have a whole new identity. You have a whole new citizenship. You have a whole new future. You are now his workmanship. You are a glorious thing. God, through his spirit inside you, is working it out. And folks, we all got hard edges. It's just in this life, man, we're, right? It's, it's tough. Right? To work it out, to trust in the Spirit of God, to flesh this thing out and make us that war, that take that lump of clay. Jeremiah says it's like, we're the pot, we're the clay. God is the pot, and he's working out all the rough edges, all the unformed things, making us something beautiful in the likeness of Christ. And so let me just break down this idea of grace, because it's so glorious, folks, is that, and back to this statement, um, the wonder of the gospel is God's grace in the past, present, and in the future. And this word um, that's used two times in here of, of by grace we were, we've been saved. That word in the Greek actually means, technically in the grammar, it means we were saved and we are being saved. To be technical to the language, you should add it in there. This is very important. And here's the deal. What I, I plead with you to think about the gospel in your own life. The fullness of the gospel in our life is when we start to take hold of the gospel, what he's done for me in the past, therefore what he's doing in me now, working things out. Where his workmanship, he is the one, Philippians says, right, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's God who's working inside you. He's the one who's bringing conviction. He's the one that's chipping off. He's the one that can deal with all of our hardest questions and our struggles and everything else. He's the one bringing holiness, likeness to Christ. He's the one bringing the fruit of the Spirit, the goodness, the hope, the joy, right? He's working this thing out. And so it's not just something, and, and many of us have traditions where it's like, you were saved, you said this prayer, you did this, died, you walked this aisle in the past without any concept of woe, that word, you were saved so that you're being saved, that you work this out, right? And then he says, you also there's future grace. The whole life is all by God's grace. The difference is once he illuminates us, folks, we have nothing to do with our salvation except to receive that gift. And, and boy, we could talk deeply about what goes on there. It's when I wrestle with this state of, man, I know, I know I have, I know I can stand before God and justify myself. I plead with you. I plead with anyone who doesn't know the Lord right now, who's really wrestling and with this and, and this whole pursuit of God. I just ask you, do you really think you can stand before a perfect God and justify yourself? Why would you want to? Why do you want to go through life like that, always with guilt and shame, making excuses for yourself? And we're all fallen. We're all sinners. We screw up. Why would you want to stand before God and say, but God, really, look at my grade card. I'm doing pretty good over here. Why would you want to do that? When man is that you have the assurance that you can stand. As a matter of fact, the scripture says we have full access. The Spirit of God is inside. You receive His grace. Full access as a child of God. 
And to presently work this out, present grace is, is now that he's put his spirit in me, now I'm, my eyes are open to God. My eyes are open to the real condition in the world. And now I'm responsible to walk in those blessings, to work this out, to work this out. And to realize this, that, man, here's the enemy. Okay, Steve, you need to be more spiritual. You need to do more stuff. And what do we do? We get tempted to start doing stuff under what? My own power. I'm wrestling with a certain sin habit. Well, man, just boom, boom. Enemy's like, look what a sinner. Ah, you think you're a Christian. Look what a failure you are. Blah, blah. We all do this, right? And so what, it, what the enemy wants to do is, man, you need some religion. Man, you need to do some stuff. And that just takes me off the course. Takes me back to the old way. I need his grace. God, I need your favor in my life. I can't break through on this issue. Whatever it is, I need your grace. I need your power. I need to learn how to do this by the Spirit of God. Your thing. You're working this out, God. I'm going to lay hold of your promises, your grace, which is your favor in my life. Get this, folks. Even in the midst of my sin. As a believer, even in the midst of my mess up and my failure, I quickly have to go, but God, look what you've done. I need your grace. And he's there to forgive us and cleanse us immediately. It's pretty awesome, huh? And the other piece of this, folks, is future grace. Is to realize, man, what is he going to? He says, he saved us. Why did he save us? Because he wants to for all eternity. He says here that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace into the ages to come. Wow. That's God's heart for you. He desires to continue to pour out more and more and more of his mercy, his love, his grace, his blessings. On it. God's inexhaustible. It's all eternity. He never exhausts in his goodness of new things. He'll pour out to us. Is that future grace? Dirk, y'all coming up. Um, let me just point out something really important here. Uh, that it, and and this, is, this is, I think, just hold this. We'll come back to this. But the majority of motivation in the New Testament is not looking back to look what Jesus has done in the past for you. That's our foundation. That's where we come to know him. The majority of motivation of scripture is always in light of for his return. Church, work it out. Press in with the Lord. He's coming. He's coming. And, and he's coming for a bride who should be ready, should be working it out and Moving towards the likeness of Christ. Our motivation, because we think about it, and this is what we've done in the church. We've always gone back to the cross, which, of course, we need, that's the foundation. Don't get me wrong. But the motivation to keep in, in the midst of, of struggle, keep pushing on, keep pressing in for more of God, is because he's coming. He came. He's coming. And when he comes back, he's coming to make all things right. And he's coming back to hold accountable a world that has been given grace and a time to make a decision whether they will receive this free gift or not and walk in it. And so just as we close, folks, this glorious thing, I hope you'll take these two words, but God, and are you living with God's perspective? But God, look what you've done. Or is it, but God, why is this happening? 
And as quick as you can shift it to his perspective, how he sees you, what he's done for you, how much his love and mercy he has for you, you will start moving into health. Start moving into whatever the issue is. A resolution and holiness and blessing. And this is to, how we're to encourage each other right along the way on this. And so folks, I just invite, invite you and I ask you this morning very boldly, where, where's the hang-up? Where's the, where's the block this morning of moving further in and letting God do his wonderful, beautiful work on you, his masterpiece? Where's the block of keeping you from embracing the grace of God past what he's done, what he's doing now, wants to do now, and what he's going to do right in the future? What's the block? And I invite you, as you before you come to the table, This is a celebration of what Jesus, the grace of God in the past, what he did for us. And to come and to remember that again, right, is is to presently here prepare my heart. Lord, is there a block? Move, Holy Spirit, come and restore me back, right, to a place that's just overwhelmed by your grace. Nothing motivates like grace. There's no greater motivator in all the world. Because there's only one who brings grace to the world. This is what God has done through Jesus. And I just ask you to take some time as you begin 2024, reestablishing the gospel in your life. And then I just address anybody in here, if you're questioning this, if you're not sure, um, what we see in the scripture is there was always an expectation of response. And when we don't have an expectation response, it's because we've got the diagnosis wrong. We're waffling on the real condition, the real problem. Because this is serious business. There's no, there's no more important business than what we're talking about here. And so I just plead with you this morning, if God's moving in your heart, and you just have never had a chance to just receive the most glorious gift of all, I invite you. To come to the feast. To come to the greatest thing that can happen in anybody's life is to meet your maker. Is to receive the salvation of God, the grace of God this morning. And just come, you can pray with any of us down front. You can pray with your neighbor. Um, but before you come to that table, man, just come. Say, I want that. It's, just, it's a simple but profound confession of your heart. I want that. I need to settle that in my heart and respond to that. Scripture over and it says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to respond. Don't wait till tomorrow. Let God's grace shower you right today. So Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I pray you overwhelm us. Let us be people of your word, hungry for your word. Lord, let it just, just bubble out, God. Let, it, let there be a new welling up. Lord, of, of a hunger for you, the, the things that please you, God, and, and all of your goodness, Lord. Father, restore us as your children, Lord, to realize fresh and new as we come to your table what you've saved us from, the glory of your grace and your mercy and your love. And Lord, I just pray, I plead with you, Father, if there's anyone in here who's unsure, God, will you shower your grace and love on them? Let them just reach out simply this morning and receive that.
Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.